our Monday night groups are getting bigger. That's great. <laughs> so, let's see, who's here for the very first time tonight? Who, who over here? I didn't see the hand. Okay. At the end, we'll have you just tell us your names, but welcome. Um, but don't, we, we're not going to give you a test or anything. <laughs> So I thought this would be, since this is a bigger group than we usually have on Monday night, we can do a kind of a discussion, a question and answer. Sometimes we don't get through many questions. Sometimes we get a little bit sidetracked with our, with our questions and our answers. But it's always, uh, it's always great. So <clears throat> my voice is kind of giving out on me a little bit. So I'd like to give you part of the work. <laughs> So if you have any, you know, we've been talking about the precepts. For those of you who typically come, uh, we have a precept ceremony in October. So we start about six, actually literally six months ahead of time. So half the year uh, talking about the precepts because they are such an important part of the Buddhist teachings. Uh, the concept of the precepts is living a, virtuous life and a harmless life so you're not doing harm to yourself or to anyone else and it's it's really the more I study the precepts the more mind-boggling that idea becomes in my own mind just how different the world would be if we all if we all were completely harmless to anyone else or any being an animal uh, any anything living and if we were completely harmless to ourselves. I just keep reading uh, suttas where the Buddha talks about it, and um, it's, that's kind of remarkable. So the precepts give us a lot to work with that is kind of life-altering life and world-changing. But we just take it on for ourselves, and it's, that's what changes people's lives. So you can ask a question about the precepts, or you can ask anything that you, your heart desires within the realm of this world. <laughs> or if you have a comment you'd like to make. It doesn't have to be a question. You know, I've always wondered, you have people come to you and they give you situations that uh, Counter during the day, and, and uh, you know, you um, counsel them on, on stressful situations. That must build up inside of you. But what do you, after two or three days, is that uh, how do you is that stressful for you, and how do you relieve that kind of stress, or is it not stressful? You know, if somebody cuts you off, you walk at them, you have a tendency to. <laughs> You know, I don't, usually if I'm talking to someone because they've asked if they can talk about something going on, it's, it's, um, 
it's very it's usually really uplifting because it might that maybe that person just needs to talk about a situation and sometimes i get as much out of what they're talking about as as they get from anything i'm kind of more listening and i might have um i might have something i recommend that they might read or or something that just maybe an idea to think about that i that maybe doesn't seem like they've thought about but usually uh it's it's kind of uh insightful for me just to listen to them so it and i i think the longer i keep doing this the easier that part gets and then and then sometimes if i feel overloaded with stuff i just kind of stay away for a while <laughs> i'm not as available but that's hard to do you know it's hard to be unavailable when you're a monastic <laughs> so you separate yourself from the person the person's situation and and use the art of listening just as a therapy well it's not really therapy because we're just um we're trying to if someone has a problem is um maybe just uh see if they've if if there might be some kind of there might be a teaching or a way that they could relate more to uh to reality differently like maybe be more aware of how they see how they perceive things but it's it's not a lot it's not like what what i do notice there you know there's some people who just it's kind of constantly the same thing may from year to year and and there might be a point where i'd reach where i'd say you know when when you're ready to take some action let's talk again or when there's something some change but usually it's just a matter of listening to people and they kind of they see when they're talking what's going on with them so there and sometimes they just need to say some things out loud to to check it out just have someone who's listening so they formulate formulate what they're going to say they say it and then they hear it and that somehow helps them i think sometimes i mean that that that's probably how some people would like to do it i mean that's how they that as they're saying something out loud they might sort of see you know how you sometimes say something and you think oh i just really listened to myself i just heard what i was saying and then that doesn't make a lot of sense when they say it out loud and that might be that might be all they need is just to say something and then think well that doesn't make any sense and rethink it It I don't know if it helps people that much but oh, yeah, it <laughs> It's the one thing that we can be for each other it's that it's that being a noble friend you know that that you're you're honest with someone and you're you don't you don't feed you you try hard not to feed into whatever their story is because if you're a really good friend you don't encourage um if you see something that's really not doesn't sound right we you try you try not to encourage that so it's the same way we would be a noble friend to someone there's no 
the only magic, there's no magic to it, I meant to say. So it's just trying to be, uh, you know, we can't tell anybody the answer to something. We, and so usually it's just, it's more listening than anything else. Letting them hear, hear themselves. But I don't find that it, it wears me down. I don't find, I don't, I don't, um, that, that's not, that doesn't wear me down. Because those are people that are just, um, you, you know, when people are, are ready to talk to somebody, they usually have already, they've got some insight, but they just need, want to run it by somebody. But sometimes the situations people are in are really sad, really difficult. And that, that can be, uh, but there, but you know, you can pick up a newspaper and, or turn on, uh, the radio and you hear about situations that are really sad. So, yeah, it's, I don't know what other people would say. Well, you can have, you can have, I, I think maybe we, we, can, we can have equanimity and still be sympathetic or empathetic. Um, you know, we can, we can share a moment with someone who's going through something that's been really hard for them, but that doesn't mean we've lost our equanimity. I mean, you know, that's that person, you, equanimity is having the quality that, and it was this group who, the person had that great definition from the dictionary, that equanimity is being able to be to be that person people turn to in a crisis situation, the person who's, who's level-headed. So that doesn't mean you can't have empathy with someone, especially if you, you know, or, com- or compassion for that person. But you don't lose your head in that situation because they're looking for the person with the level head. They're looking for someone who can hear their deepest sadness who's not going to walk away from it you know some there's some people who don't who don't share things that are deep in their heart because they found maybe that other people you know it's like it's like you know they don't they don't want to hear anything that's really uh, deep because they don't know how to handle it so if we're practicing compassion and also working on equanimity, it's being able to handle all that and realize this is part of that, this is part of this world. That's a good question, though. Those are good questions. Uh-huh. Is there something you do throughout the day that kind of helps you decenter yourself? If you're sad or anxious or things like that, that just kind of helps bring you back to that normal relationship. For me personally, if I um, if I have something I can read, and uh, we, you know we've talked a little bit about gratitude, and the group I teach in Elkhorn, we've been talking about it a lot, so we. We have assignments to 
write, have a gratitude journal. And sometimes what I found is if I start thinking about, okay, and I'm not writing in one, but I'm thinking about what I would write in it, it has really helped me to think about what, what so far today, what do I have to be grateful about? And it's almost humorous because it, I realize it's little bitty things that we're grateful for. You know, even if it's a crummy day or I'm down about something, if I think about what, what do I appreciate or what can I be grateful for about today so far? And it, you know, it, it might be that I had a really good cup of coffee or I, I read an article that really oh, had a great point in it that I wanted to, to think about or listen to uh, some chanting, or uh, listen, I like to listen to Buddhist teachers on YouTube, a few that I really like, and that always kind of lifts my spirit. Or just have a conversation with a friend that's where we can laugh together. Just little, little tiny, little tiny snippets of what's gone on in the day. Maybe I made... I have a little tiny coffee pot, so maybe I made a, made the coffee just right, just the way I like it, and it was a really good cup of coffee. So, and then 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 it starts. Then I start thinking there are more and more things. So once I get started on it, I I could fill a sheet of paper, and that's like maybe at eleven o'clock in the morning. So I'll just be chuckling, thinking there'd be a lot of stuff if I was writing all that down. And then that seems to be, lately, that has really been a, something that brightens my mood. It can be silly things, too. Silly is good. <laughs> there's, a, there, it's, there's a funny thing, and the, the monks do this, and um, some other good friends I have send, uh, like, gifts, send uh, GIF. You know, what do you call those? Yeah. So, and, and we, and we work really hard to send the funniest ones, you know, that we can. So it's, uh, and, and we always, you know, we always compliment each other if it's really good, if it just hits the mark perfectly. So it, that, it can just be something that made me laugh. I laugh a lot with those. And my kids will send those, my son especially. We don't, we, we just text, we don't, talk that much, like, you know, mouth-to-mouth talking. We, we, so he sends, we'll send each other silly things that we find online, and then we get into a little conversation with symbols or gifts. So. And those are, those are delightful. They're just little silly things, but they... Then you realize what, what a good, I'll realize what a good sense of humor, like all the monastics have and the other good friends I have in the Sangha and my kids have. I'm so proud of the fact that both of my kids have what I consider a well-developed sense of humor. <clears throat> so those, you know, those are, those are fun things for me. It's pretty silly. <laughs> I think last week you did a, uh, a Dharma talk on growing older and how you change and what you do when you're young and, and how your views change when you get older. What was the takeaway from that? I gave a talk about that. Mm-hmm. You said when you were younger you could, you could value you know, going places and doing things or uh, 
you're out in front of the it was being more, you know, more comfortable, more thoughtful. Um, you don't remember that. That was Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that was Saturday? Okay. <laughs> Too far back. Uh, you know, on Saturday I was talking about the retreat I'd gone to the day before with Ajahn Brahm. And, the, and then later at lunch somebody told me, you know that, that retreat was two days ago. Not, <laughs> not. So I'd already forgotten which day of the week it was. Um, I w- yeah, I was talking about um, the way I see Ajahn Brahm is, is re- he's really seeing... He's presenting to us like how joyful and happy it can be to be a Buddhist. Not so, so that's probably, I was, that's what I was talking about. And how different that is from being that real serious, you know, like that, like the scholarly person who has to make sure everybody's got the right details or the right take on everything. So uh, I, when I see Ajahn Brahm now, I don't, I think his, his stories, you know, you've heard most of them a hundred times if you watch him on YouTube. Um, but, but I could see how just delightful, how, how much he enjoys telling those stories. And people who've watched him probably more than I have even are still laughing at his stories. And, his robes are falling off of him, and he has absolutely no, you know, modesty about that. But he's he just embodies uh, uh, someone who's done all the work to be in the position he's in now, and he's just reminding us all that we can be that uh, kind of a person and still be. Uh, we're still on the same path but he's you know he's lighthearted and he's uh, travels all over the world and he manages to stay always kind of upbeat and I think that that for me that was that's a wonderful image to see because uh, I'm sure you know as many times as people will whenever he does a talk I'm sure there are hundreds of people thousands of people maybe who say how great it is and then there are going to be all those other people, especially on, you know, sites like YouTube and other things, who are going to say negative things about it. And I don't think that bothers him at all. And I think that's, that's pretty wonderful. So I think that's what his message is now. And he's about my age, so... Yeah, I think it's, it's good to be more lighthearted than it... You know, this is this is definitely a spiritual path, and the Buddha always talked about keep striving, be diligent, you know, persevere. You just keep getting up, you just keep getting up and starting all over. But we can do that with lots of joy and laughter in our lives. And if we have good uh, Dhamma friends, good noble friends, they're doing the same thing, so we can... We can be laughing with each other when we see, you know, oh, you did the same thing, you know, one of these days you're going to get it, right? And we can all enjoy just being in this adventure together. So I hope that's, that's I mean, that's what I remember about that talk. 
as you get older, you become more in the min- in the second because your memory fails so quickly. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, the first one is, is uh, <clears throat> it's literally in Pali not to kill any living thing. And so uh, that, that means it's often, we talk about it like to do no harm to sell for others. And the second one is not to take anything that doesn't belong to us. And I, I keep having different things that come up about that, too. And the third one is about uh, not to engage in sexual misconduct. Sexual misconduct. And that can also be like, in, in, uh, like overdoing just sensual pleasure, but, it's, but uh, not to engage in sexual misconduct. And the fourth one is not to, uh, is right speech, not to tell a lie not to tell an untruth. And the fifth one is not to become intoxicated uh, in order to lose mindfulness, like not to become intoxicated on drugs and uh, all kinds of alcohol. Uh, because we don't want to be, un- we're not, we don't want to lose our minds. We want to be mindful. So that's a really important one. So those are the five. Well, one time you were talking about right speech, not just lying, but oh my goodness, you killed me because you were talking about the range. Yeah. Yeah, see the first. Just just the words that come out of my mouth, are they worth saying? And I think one time you said, just don't say anything. Just don't talk. (laughs) It goes at the range, yeah. Well, in the first five, it's not don't tell a lie, don't tell an untruth. It's when you do the eight, then it picks up, then it adds um, it, not to lie, not to use harsh speech, not to use malicious speech, and not to engage in idle chatter, which is, is what we love so much. <laughs> That's what so many relationships consist of. So we have to do, but remember, it's a gradual path. So you don't take the precepts after you've uh, succeeded in everything. You take the precepts because these are the guidelines that you're going to work with. These are the things that are going to help you not get too spread out in all the different, you know, myriads of things. The things that the Buddha talked about over and over again, living a virtuous life because the rewards are so great. So if you live a virtuous life, which includes those five things, you are, you are happy. And this is what Ajahn Brahm talked a lot about at the retreat. He talked about how wonderful it is when, you're, when you follow the precepts, when you live that life where you, you know you 
You don't have remorse or guilt or regret, and you're really able to be like silly like he is. You know, you're able to be lighthearted. You're able to sit down when you want to meditate, and very quickly, you know, after we, with practice with that, very quickly you become calmer much faster. You can go into a meditative state much more easily because you're not, your mind's not full of things that you worry about or that you stress over because you're, you know, did you make the right decision? Did you say the right thing? Did you, you know, did somebody get mad at you because of something you did or did you hurt somebody? And so um, that's why the precepts are important, are really, and also the, if we're living virtuous lives, that's, we're doing that for us. But it, it, it's like metta, it's like loving kindness. It radiates out from us. So the people we come in contact with, the animals, the people, the, the beings we can't even see, uh, they, they love that because they feel safe around us. People feel safe around us. We're not going to intentionally hurt anybody through careless speech or through uh, any of the other things we're, we're watching. So it, it just becomes, and if we all stand close together, we've got a whole bubble over us, right, of harmlessness and um, people respecting themselves and then also uh, respecting all other living beings. So it, the, the speech stuff will come. We're all working on that one. I mean, I'm working on that one, and I'm sure most everybody in here would probably say, yeah, speech is so uh, in, intrinsic to being a human being that, I mean, you can open your mouth anytime and stick your foot in it, right? So, uh, yeah, Mary. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got grandkids. You've Yeah, if you think about um, that harsh speech and also being sarcastic with children and things that, that we sometimes will do without thinking too much about it, but, but because sarcasm is really hard for, you know, that sarcasm is difficult for most people to deal with. But, yeah, children are great. They, they're great teachers. Yeah, by the way, by their reaction, yeah. Uh-huh. In regards to right speech, what do you do in a scenario where I ask a question 
don't want to lie, but to tell the truth would be damaging to another person's character. The truth would be damaging to the person who's asking you the question? Somebody else, somebody else related. Because you don't want to lie if you're asked a direct question of what do you know about this or what do you know about that. But to tell the truth in that situation could be damaging to somebody else. Well, you know, the Buddha, the Buddha talks about if you're in a situation where, you know, like if you're in court and you're asked a question or if you're... Uh, if you're in a situation where you're asked specifically a question, that you you should tell the truth. So if it's in the if it's in a court or uh, at a board board meeting or something, you should tell the truth. But you also have the if you're just talking to other people, you have the option of being silent. Yeah, and just just don't say anything or just say I I don't really think I can talk to that. This, it's and that's hard if we're if it's just in a kind of casual conversation and you know, you know it's hard if we know something but we know we shouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, silence is often the best recourse for so many things. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Okay. That's kind of yeah. Silence is good. Okay, we have used up the time. Thank you.